Hey, good Saturday morning to everybody. Man, a nice fall morning, crisp, like sunny weekend. My wife is going to New York for the weekend. People are going to the University of Pittsburgh to watch, um, oddly enough, uh, a, a Pitt team that's favored over Clemson. Um, who would have thought, you know? And their one loss was to like a really bad team from a practically a Division Two division. They might as well have lost a Slippery Rock or IUP. Um, and then the other games, Pitts won. So it's been a very strange year. It's a very strange kind of day where strange things are going on. For instance, Donald Trump is introducing or at least planning to introduce a social media platform called Truth. Uh, when he has never told the truth about anything ever, or at least rarely, you know, relies on the truth. I guess whatever, what he wants to portray as the truth, I guess is truth. But in any case, um, some people, conservatives or, you know, these people that call themselves um, patriots are signing up for that platform. So it'll be interesting to see what happens there, you know. It's supposed to be about truth. It's supposed to be about not, um, you know, not being able to, um, uh, I don't know, like delete things that aren't considered true. Um, So you could say whatever you want. You know, you could say racist things. You could say violent things. You can say whatever you want. And I guess that is the truth. I mean, I guess it is. I mean... If that's the way those people feel, I guess it is the truth, you know. Um, You could also say some things about the election being rigged, which is not necessarily the truth. In fact, I think everybody agrees that that's not the truth, or at least most people agree that that's not the truth. But in any case, it's called like truth. So very, very strange things are happening, right? Um, We made it through 2020, which was a strange year. And now we're three quarters of the way through 2021, and there's still some strange things happening, right? Um, Car prices are like through the roof, you know? Um, Gas prices are soaring. Um, So, I mean, just a lot of things happening. But, you know, companies are hiring for more money because with the inflation, they're going to have to, you know? Like, you were getting paid... 10 bucks an hour to work in a grocery store. Now you're getting paid 15. But if you're getting paid, you know, 12 bucks an hour for me to work at Chewy, you know, I'm going to start demanding they pay me at least 18 or 20 just because um, there's not a lot of uh, work out there. There's not a lot of workers out there, you know, and there's a lot of demand and there's not a lot of supply, you know, so prices are going up. But that's your economics uh, lesson for today. Um, I, you know, I started out this morning listening to Stumpy on a Pirates pod- podcast. Um, Alex Stumpf and uh, some other dude do a podcast on DK. So eh, a couple takeaways from that. Number one, um, we have been uh, really like subjected to hearing how Ben Sherrington's development system is going to be so much better than the last guy Um, because Neil Huntington, yeah, he drafted guys, but he didn't develop them. And I'm not a real believer in that. I mean, I think that most of the time, if a guy's a good player, you know, the systems are all pretty similar. 
It's just that some teams pick the best players, you know, like Miami or the Dodgers or, you know, um, the Yankees with their international scouting or um, some teams draft better, basically, you know. Uh, I don't know that it's so much about development, but that's been jammed down our throats ever since Ben Sherrington, um, you know, took over for Neil Huntington that, oh, well, it's going to be way different now. You know, we're going to develop. We're not just going to draft guys. We're going to develop them. And I I don't know how true that is. I mean, like I said, if a guy's going to be good, a lot of it's going to come from within, you know, like you're going to have that internal drive. Um, whether it's a guy like, um, Brian Reynolds, you know, um, or whatnot, you know, if, if you're going to work really hard at it, you know, you could get really good at it, uh, regardless of what system you're in. I think it's more about who to draft. Um, and you get teams in the NFL that are really good at drafting guys like Seattle, you know, like Pittsburgh. Um, some teams tend to draft really well, you know, and then, uh, in baseball, you know, like the St. Louis Cardinals always seem to have, you know, the right draft picks, you know. Um, so now they develop the players. But the thing is, um, you got to get the good player to begin with, you know. And I think it's more that than it is development. But whatever. I mean, um, in any case, we have we have some good players coming through the minors. Um, but, you know, Stumpy's piece was about how he interviewed... Um, these new player development guys in Ben Charrington's system, you know, and how they're better than, or they appear to be better than um, what we had under Neil Huntington. Well, I mean, I I honestly, I think that's always going to be the bias. If you're interviewing somebody, you know, um, you're going to sit, they're going to say the right things, you know? So you're going to think that, oh, this is a great idea just because you are spending time with that person and you're interviewing that person and the players are going to say nice things about that person because they're in that system. You know, you want to say good things about the people that are developing you because they're the ones that are deciding whether you're going to be promoted or not, you know? So I take that stuff with a grain of salt. I mean, I, I tend to think that um, development is pretty much um, similar in most of the systems because these are major league paid people, you know? And you have a lot of the same people circulating between, you know, Miami and Tampa Bay and, you know, Philadelphia and San Francisco. And, you know, it's like it's like when you hire a coach in football in the NFL, he's probably been an assistant in lots of other places, you know, maybe some college programs to start out with. And then maybe he was like a, um, a quarterback coach for the 49ers. And then maybe he was the um offensive line coach for Dallas, you know, and then he was the offensive coordinator for the Browns, you know, and then he's the head coach for, um, you know, some other team. So um, you tend to bounce around anyway within organizations when you're in these professional sports teams. So the bottom line is, you know, I'm not a big believer in this, this thing that's been pushed by a lot of, um, a lot of Pirates guys since, Ben Sherrington's been hired that, oh, it's going to be different this time because the development is going to be there. You know, we're going to develop these players better. Um, I think it's just about getting better players. And I think they have gotten better players. I mean, it's early to say, but, you know, I tend to talk about, you know, um, drafting Quinn Priester. I think that was a good pick. 
And then drafting Nick Gonzalez was a good pick, you know. So um, we'll see what happens. But I think there's, I think there's like a top dozen guys in the Pirates system, and then there's a big, a huge drop off. But there's still some, um, you know, there's some depth there which you can be happy about. Um, but you know, then they were talking about like how uh, there's been a lot of stolen bases in the playoffs, and uh, which is cool, you know, because. For years and years and years, we've just been waiting for the three-run home run. I think you probably have to have both. You know, you want to be aggressive on the base pass, and you got to have some speed. And because you have to have both, you know, I wasn't thrilled with those guys um, suggesting that um, your starting second baseman is going to be Tupacana Marcano, and your starting uh, shortstop is going to be... um, the guy with the hair, you know, Cole Tucker. <laughs> I always call him the guy with the hair. Uh, because, well, here's the thing. You might have really good speed, but are you going to are you gonna um, hit enough to um, get on base in the first place? And between Cole Tucker and Tupacana Marcano, those guys haven't really showed the ability to hit enough, you know, in their major league at bats so far. And they really haven't lit it up in AAA for most of their time either. So, you know, I'm personally not thrilled with um, the idea of that's your middle infield. You know, Tupacano Marcano at second and Cole Tucker at short. I mean, I could be totally wrong. And these guys just like do awesome. But, you know, I, I tend to go for like, I try to look at what's happened in the past, you know, to give me an indication of what's going to happen in the future. And in the past, those guys have had flashes. But, you know, for long periods of time, are you going to be able to sustain good hitting in the major leagues? Because lots of guys could hit good for short periods in the major leagues. Guys like Nogowski and guys like those, um, you know, those other, uh, like Eric Gonzalez types, you know, like guys that have been in the pirate system in the past um, that get exposed once you give them a lot of at-bats, you know? So if if it's announced at the end of spring training that these two guys are going to be your middle infielders, well, you know that the, um, the pitchers for Cincinnati and the pitchers for um, Milwaukee and the pitchers for St. Louis are going to start putting, up, putting out books on these guys, and they're going to start finding ways to attack um, these guys, you know? And then if Cole Tucker is your starting shortstop, you know, O'Neill Cruz is probably going to be coming at shortstop at some point. And then, you know, you're going to get a book on him. So it's like you're putting a lot of faith into young players that um, at least in the case of um, Cole Tucker and Tupacano Marcano, they haven't had a like a great history in the minor leagues. Um, they've shown flashes, you know, but they haven't always... Um, put up great numbers over long periods of time. So I'm a little skeptical with that as your middle infield to open the year next year. I mean, if it were me, I'd lean more towards, um, I know that, you know, it's nice to have speed, but, you know, we got to get the home runs up from 120 to 240. You know, that's something we've talked about. And I'm not sure that you're going to do that with Cole Tucker and Tupacano Marcano. I know that Marcano, um, is known for getting his bat on the ball. Like maybe he doesn't strike out a lot. And I guess that Cole Tucker has some power because he hit a grand slam last year, but I'm not sure that we're going to see like um, the home runs 
go from 120 to 240 with those two guys. And if I was going to take a chance on someone with some speed, you know, I, I'd even lean t- more towards um, like a CSN, like a Cannon Smith Nigma. Even though people think I don't like the guy, I think that he's he has some speed and he's got the the ability to hit for power because he's sort of a bigger guy than those other two guys, you know. Um, now Swaggerty might even hit for power, you know, but you know that he has speed and good defense. So you got all these four A guys competing for the position, but I'd be more likely to give um, give it bats to a guy like Chavis, who has hit home runs in the past, you know. I'd be more apt to give home runs or give uh, at bats to guys like Mason Martin or O'Neill Cruz that really have the potential to hit for power. And, you know, um, O'Neill Cruz is not known for clogging up the base paths, you know. I don't think Chavis is a speedster by any stretch. But, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not crazy about this all small ball because I think that one of the reasons we scored you know, the least amount of runs in the major leagues is because we didn't hit a lot of home runs, you know. We got, um, we already had guys like Kevin Newman who didn't strike out a lot, but he didn't exactly, you know, put a lot of fear into opposing pitchers. You know, he hit a lot of soft contact, you know, a lot of ground balls, a lot of fly balls, and they were mostly like the lazy fly balls, you know. I mean, he did get on a streak, during the season that where he hit a ton of doubles, like a shit ton of doubles, you know, for a two-week period. But when you play 162 games and you play for six months, you're going to have periods where you do things that are outside of the realm of your averages, you know. And then what happens is you have a reversion to the mean, and then you realize that Kevin Ren- or Kevin Newman is Kevin Newman, you know. Um, and I think that is possibly... What we might unfortunately be seeing, like even if Cole Tucker and Marcano get off to hot starts, it's very possible that pitchers adjust to those guys and then they get exposed and they revert back to their means, you know. So even if they have some speed, I'd prefer someone like Cannon Smith Nigma, who has shown a very good on base percentage throughout his minor leagues and he has the potential to hit for power. You know, and yeah, I was a little cool on him because he only six hit six home runs last year in the minor leagues. But I know that guy has the potential to hit for power. You know, I know that um, O'Neill Cruz has the potential to hit for power. And I know that um, Mason Martin has the potential to hit for a lot of power. Even though Mason Martin doesn't have any speed, it's not like he's much slower than Colin Moran, you know. So if you're going to throw young guys out there, I'd rather have guys with both speed and power. You know, I'm not like getting excited about Cole Tucker and Marcano. And like I said, those guys could totally prove me wrong, but I'm not salivating at the idea of those two guys being my middle infielders, you know, to lead off next year. But it is what it is. I mean, we're not really trying to win in 2022. Uh, I'm not going to put a lot of... um, of thought into, you know, how we're going to be this great developing franchise now. And we were the worst developing franchise under um, the last guy. I just think that, you know, development is what it is. I mean, it's something that happens, you know. You you may have a little better development than some other team, but I think it's really nominal. And I think that most of it is about the players themselves, you know. If you have a player 
who's got a lot of talent, someone like Brian Reynolds, they're going to blossom on they're going to blossom under whoever it is, you know, same thing with key Brian Hayes. Um, I think they're going to blossom in any system because they just had the natural ability. And, but even more than that, they, those guys have the drive to develop their natural ability, you know, and hopefully somebody like O'Neill Cruz is going to keep that drive going because he's got so much natural ability. You know, Uh, I tend to think that Mason Martin does have a lot of drive and he's going to develop that, natural power that he's got now he might fizzle out but at least the guy has some power you know and I have been impressed with um Smith Nigma because he had a good year in 2019 and he continues to really show like some good plate discipline and I've seen the guy hit doubles and home runs so I'm hoping that that still develops because he's still a relatively young guy um but that's the Pirates you know um you're gonna spend a little to Bit, bit of time like delving into the NFL. Um, since it's Saturday, you know, I can make some picks on the games. I was going to kind of go through the standings and see who had the best point differentials, but I don't know if we have that much time for that. And I don't know how compelling that is. Um, people like to think about like who's playing this weekend, you know, and who's going to win. So, I mean, let's just go through the games briefly, you know. Um, you'll, you'll probably know what when you hear this podcast who won whether it was Pitt or whether it was um, somebody who maybe has a little bit more talent, but they're on a down year like Clemson. Like they might have more elite talent because they're Clemson and they've been number one recently. So you know that they draft more like, I don't know, like McDonald's All-American type guys, you know. So I don't know. It'll be interesting. I mean, Pitt has done really well as a team other than that one game. Um, And it's at home, right? And for a rare occasion, you're going to get a sold-out crowd um, for the Pitt game because Clemson travels pretty well, you know? There's a lot of Clemson fans around, um, whether they're in Buffalo or whether they're in central Pennsylvania or whether they're in Ohio. You know, Clemson has gotten some fans, you know, because cause look at the guys who've come out of Clemson, you know? So I think that Pitt is going to sell this game out, and I think that's going to make for a pretty exciting game. Um, but you know, by the time you hear this podcast, you'll know who won. Uh, it may have been a route, um, but I don't know. We'll see what happens. You know, um, Cincinnati and Baltimore are playing in the national football league. So we're talking about pro sports here, right? And this is a pretty intriguing game, right? I mean, you have Cincinnati who has the number one overall pick from a couple years ago at quarterback and a guy who's looked really good, right? Like we might not hear as much from him as with other guys, but if you saw the Cincinnati game against the Steelers, you know that this guy's developed really well. Um, He has really good footwork. Um, He makes good throws out of the pocket and he's learning to make better decisions, you know? So I'm pretty high on Cincinnati. And here's the thing with Baltimore, right? They're flying as high as you could possibly fly right now because they just blew out their last opponent. And um, it was a high-profile win, you know? So I I tend to think that Baltimore, as a a six-and-a-half-point favorite, is maybe a little high, especially considering that this is a, um, a division game and that Cincinnati doesn't have a great home field advantage because Cincinnati has sucked for so long. So Cincinnati plays just as well on the road as they do at home, you know, and 
because this is a um, a divisional game, I tend to think that it's going to come down to the final score. So if, if this game's going to come down to the final score, you know, I don't know that um, I'm laying six and a half points. In fact, I know that I'm taking those points with Cincinnati because um, whether Baltimore wins it with a field goal or whether Joe Burrow drives his team down and upsets Baltimore at home with a field goal, either way, you're going to win getting those six and a half points. So that's the way I'm looking at it. I know that most of the public is going to be betting on Baltimore, so you might get seven. And if you can get a touchdown in a game like this, I personally think it's a good value. And I could totally have egg on my face, you know, on Monday. But I'm thinking that um, you're getting to the point in the season where the underdog values are um, coming through more and more. Kind of starts in week seven and eight. And then as you get towards the end of the year, a lot of these big favorites are just not covering because other teams are doing better, you know. And that's just the way it, it, it always works with pro football. You know, the public wins the first half of the year. And then the public loses their shirts towards the end of the year, you know, and that's what happens. I mean, you get overconfident, you know, um, this is easy money. You know, and I see it at the casino, you know, people are whooping it up in early in the year. And then people are like quiet later in the year, you know, because they're betting these big favorites, you know, like maybe a Baltimore this week. Um, Carolina and the Giants, boy, ugh. You know, the Giants at home again. I mean, how do you even begin to look at the Giants, you know? Um, I'm, I'm assuming Saquon Barkley's not going to be back yet. Um, you know, we have seen a few good flashes from Daniel Jones. Um, we know that the Giants' defense has been improved over the last couple years. And then Carolina's been kind of weird, too. You know, they... They got off to a three and one start and then they lost two in a row. Um, so I don't know, man. The only reason, I, I don't think I could take this game. I, I don't know. I mean, again, the, the, the over-under opened at 45 and went down to 42 because these, um, these two teams have been so uh, disappointing offensively that you could take the over in this game, you know, because you're getting a little bit of a value at 42. Um, but I said the same thing about 30 Thursday night's game and it ended up going under, but so I don't know if I'd have more than just a little bit of fun with the over in this game. Probably the only thing I would look at because I have a tough time getting behind either Carolina or the giants. I have a tough time getting behind either quarterback, right? Um, so I don't know that game. I I don't think I would want to watch that game as a fan. Uh, and then also at one o'clock you have the Washington team formerly known as the Redskins going into Green Bay. Um, but this game has been pushed up, right? Green Bay has been bet up to eight because you know that people like to bet Green Bay. And you know that Green Bay's quarterback is constantly in the news, you know, joking around about how easy it is to play quarterback. So personally, I think the value is on the Washington football team side because they can get pressure on... Um, on Green Bay, you know, so even though Green Bay is probably going to win at home, I, I don't know if I would lay those eight points. I just don't know that I would, you know, um, I, I honestly think that Washington might have some key sacks in this game, even though um, Green Bay tends to get rid of the ball quickly. You know, I think Washington might think, hey, we got nothing to lose, you know, 
let's really bring the pass rush. You know, let's show the um, team, let's show the fans out there that, uh, you know, we're not completely overrated as a defensive line. And let's really pressure Green Bay. And I think that's what's going to make this a one-score game. So again, if this is a one-score game, you take the eight points all day. You know, I don't think that's going to be a blowout. Um, I know that Washington got blown out last week by Kansas City. And I don't think they're going to get blown out again this week. Um, I think they're coming off a blowout and they're going to have a good game plan. And that, that this is going to be a one-score game. Uh, Kansas City at Tennessee. Well, now you're looking at a Kansas City team coming off a blowout and a Tennessee team coming off just, um, I think, maybe a close win over Baltimore. Either way, they're both coming off wins. So I'm not crazy about taking either team. Um, I'm not crazy about the over-under either. Um, although, knowing that um, uh, the Tennessee's quarterback hasn't exactly been lighting it up, you know, even though Kansas City's defense is bad, I would probably take under 57, you know, that's a lot of points. Um, but, you know, it's not like one of my plays of the week or whatever. And then Miami and Atlanta. I just like Miami because I think that Miami has bottomed out. And here's the thing. This game opened at Miami minus three. And now you're getting three points at home versus Atlanta. And what do I say about two bad teams, you know? Take the points, especially if you're at home. And Miami's coming off an embarrassing win last week. I really like this play, you know, in a game that nobody's going to watch. I like the Dolphins, and I like Tua to um, to beat Atlanta. And maybe beat them by, you know, closer to a touchdown than a field goal. The Jets in New England. I, I don't know, man. The fact that New England is laying seven. But it is in Foxborough where New England owns the Jets. I just can't take this game. I can't take anything about this game. Um, Detroit and the Rams. Um, the, uh, the Rams are laying 16 and a half points. And you know, I was all over Detroit last week as far as I got that one right. I said Cincinnati, Cincinnati was going to blow out Detroit. But Detroit is getting 16 and a half points. It's not Houston getting 16 and a half points. It's the Detroit Lions getting 16 and a half points. And the Detroit Lions aren't necessarily Houston, right? They're a bad team, but they're not that bad. So at least for me, seeing this line being pushed up from 13 and a half to 16 and a half, and seeing that we're sort of entering that part of the season where um, these big favorites don't necessarily cover, I like that a lot. You know, I, I might actually take a couple of these games this week. I like the fact that Detroit is getting 16 and a half, and it's kind of hard for me not to take. 16 and a half with the Lions. I mean, I might not be, you know, too excited to take the Bengals, even though I think that they will cover, because the Bengals are a better team, right? Um, I think the Bengals will cover against Baltimore, but it might not be as exciting to me as getting 16 and a half points as the Detroit Lions, you know? I mean, just I just think that the Lions are not Houston and they're going to cover that line. And I might even put my money where my mouth is on that game. Uh, the Eagles in Vegas, I really don't have a play on that game. I might take the under 50. Um, but, you know, Vegas is in its second week with a new coach. Philadelphia's been very unpredictable this year, you know. So I'm not going to lay either way on this game, you know. Even though I think that Vegas might, you know, eke out a win. 
they're laying a field goal. You know, so why would I take either side on that game? Um, you have the Chicago Bears going into Tampa Bay. And again, just the fact that Tampa Bay is one of these teams that is laying more points than they should. You know, and you might get 13 points with Tampa Bay. I would look at Chicago, you know. I'm not as excited as taking Detroit because Chicago is really tough to take. But yeah, I think Chicago would cover that line. There's a lot of really high lines, right? And then Arizona, minus 18 against Houston. Man, I have a tough time taking Houston, you know. So I don't know that I would take this game because every time you think Houston is getting enough points, this game might be Arizona by 20. And I'm still not, you know, jumping through hoops to take um, Houston. That's how bad Houston is right now, you know. Um, Indianapolis is at San Francisco, which I think makes for an interesting game, right? I mean, um, there's been betting on Indy because they they really put it all together last week against Houston, <laughs> but that was Houston, right? Um, so I'm not I'm not really. I, I, I would actually like to watch, stay up and watch this game. I don't know that I will, um, but I like San Francisco, and I think that San Francisco has a lot of talent. And I think that um, that Indianapolis has some talent, too, with, like, T.Y. Hilton and with um, Carson Wentz playing better. But um, I don't know, man. I might think about laying the four just because I could see San Francisco winning this game closer to a touchdown than a field goal because I'm not sold on Indy. And then New Orleans at Seattle, I'm not sold on either of those teams because you don't have um, Drew Brees and you don't have um, uh, Seattle's quarterback, you know? Two high-profile quarterbacks over the last decade. So I guess I'll just take the points, right? Seattle's getting four and a half points. I'll take the points, especially with the 17th man. But I'm not that excited about watching that game on Monday night. So there you have it. You know, there's a delve into uh, the NFL games. If you want to take some of my picks, you could take them. If you want to go against some of my picks, you could do that. But either way, I'm probably going to review it on Monday and see how I did. Um, but yeah, some, some of those point spreads are just too high for me. Uh, and I would not lay, I would personally not lay the big number, but I know that people will. I mean, people laid the big number with Dallas last week and on the, at the last minute of overtime, they covered. So, you know, I lost that one. So that is what it is. Uh, enjoy your weekend. Um, enjoy the NFL games. Good luck to Pitt today. And, um, you know, that's your little take on uh, the Pirates as well. Peace out.